0: I want to welcome you that are uh, watching online today. Um, and I want to just say a quick word to you, central. You are a, an incredible blessing. You, uh, you know, we're looking at seven months into this uh, pandemic thing and we're still trying to figure it out best way we can, but you have done an incredible job and, and, uh, it's going to be neat to open our, kids uh, classes back up and and uh, get into that and so but I, I just want to thank you thank you from the bottom of my heart you have uh, you've shown resilience there there's tons of things that go on in my mind uh, about where we've come from and where we're headed and uh, man it, it's it's exciting on one account and then it's a little nervous on the other one but you have been faithful uh, you know, we saw the baptisms two weeks ago, just God continues to move, uh, moving around the world. And so I, I just thank you so much, Central, for your heart and the way you are. Um, we're starting a new series today, and basically it's it's about the character test. And this is, actually comes out of Psalms, where um, the psalmist is recounting the history of Israel and he talks about Joseph, and he says to about Joseph how the Lord tested his character. And I thought, man, if anything over the last seven months, we've had our character tested. And for so much of the church, it has just shown the strength of the church. But many have, are tired of their character being tested, right? You're thinking, okay, I, I, I want to go on from here. But, uh, we're gonna be looking at this actually up to Thanksgiving. And, uh, today we're going to be looking at, uh, the end of the story. Now, you ever seen that TV show? You come in on the episode and you're thinking, man, where did they get to this point? And then they say six months later or maybe even hours uh, earlier, excuse me, or hours earlier, and we're, we're starting at the end. But let me tell you something about joseph in the in the book of Genesis. God took um basically three chapters, one chapter about creation, three chapters total of creating man and the fall of man but he he gave one quarter of the book thirteen chapters in the book of Genesis deal with this man joseph, and so uh the, the things he went through in life are incredible and we want to look at this. Uh, many of you are familiar with eBay. If you're not familiar with eBay, you, uh, you know that it's a, uh, uh op- opportunity for you to sell merchandise or to sell anything on there and auction it off and you can do that on eBay. Well, I looked at the weirdest things ever sold on eBay and let me share some of those with you. Uh, one of the weirdest ones was a cornflake shaped like the state of Illinois, and it sold for $1,350. Crazy. Uh, another thing that was sold was a grilled cheese sandwich that was shaped like the Virgin Mary that they said was 10 years old and had never gotten any mold on it. It actually sold for 18,000 pounds in Europe. There was one where a, a young man put his grandmother on eBay. Uh, he, he said this about her. She was cuddly but annoying. That's what he said about his grandmother. But perhaps one of the most interesting things that was ever on eBay was sold by a guy by the name of Ian Usher. Ian Usher had just gone through a divorce. His wife had left him. Hard times had come upon his life and so he chose he was going to get rid of everything. So he auctioned himself and everything that he owned on eBay. And he actually pulled in $399,300. But what happened is, is basically Ian Usher got rid of everything and he relocated in Australia. He is a, he is an author today. But, he was wanting life had gotten so bad that he wanted to get rid of it that would describe joseph's life if if joseph had ebay he would have probably said this is it anybody can take my life anybody can take it from me because he was born in a dysfunctional family he was sold by his brothers in slavery he was uh put in the uh, Potiphar's house and he was accused of of uh, trying to advance on Potiphar's wife he was put in prison he was forgotten in prison uh, there's just things in his life that were out of ordinary that if he could have sold his life he would have done it but he couldn't and God had a purpose and so we're going to look in if you have your Bibles I want you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 50 and uh we're going to start, like I say, at the end of the story. In chapter 37, which we'll pick it up next week, we're going to go through each of these tests of character. But today, we want to go to the end, because I think it's going to speak to us, and then we can re- repack uh, and then unpack uh, the rest of his life. Um, Joseph was born in a family of 12 boys. Twelve boys born to four moms, four different moms. And uh, we'll talk about the dysfunction of his family later. But uh, his father, Jacob, had just passed away, we're picking up today. They had gone to bury him, and now they've come back. Now, these brothers, ten of these brothers, had sold uh, Joseph into slavery when he was 17 years old. I don't know many of you have wanted to do that. But uh, they actually got away with it. Now that Jacob has died, these brothers are fearful because Joseph has been raised to basically the second most powerful man on earth behind the Pharaoh of Egypt. The king of Egypt. And so he has been risen to this power. He brought his family from uh, the land that they were in down to Egypt. And he showed them incredible privilege and favor because he took care of them. But now that Jacob is gone, the brothers are very fearful about what Jacob is going to do. So we pick it up in verse 15 of Genesis chapter 50. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said... It may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. Let's stop there just a moment. You see uh, the scenario. They're fearful that Jacob is no longer the buffer, so what will they, what are they gonna do? Is Joseph gonna Literally, the word hate us means, to. is he going to hold a grudge against us? He's been holding this grudge, and he's going to fully pay us back for the evil that we did to him. Uh, you know, what's interesting about these brothers is that they knew they had done evil to Joseph. They confess it here in just a moment. They knew they had done evil. They knew they had done the wrong thing. And somehow God in his miraculous work had risen Joseph to this position. But they knew that they had done evil even though they did it 40 years previously. And so here the brothers are uh, uh, carrying around this guilt and shame. And they were carrying around this guilt that they had been carrying around all this time. And this is the way guilt worked. They they could not enjoy the privileges of Egypt and the favor that Joseph had give them because they were full of guilt and shame. Have any of you ever walked there before? You, you want to experience the fullness of God. You want to experience this freedom that we sang about. You want to experience these things. But if God only knew your past, or if everybody only knew your past, and the guilt and shame that you carry around, I want you to know that guilt is a heavy weight to carry through life. It's incredibly heavy. I read about a man by the name of Stephen Goff. Stephen Goff had gone on in life to become a successful businessman. However, when Stephen Goff was a teenager, he killed his best friend and left him in a field, a uh, uh, wooded area. They eventually found the, the body of his friend, but they never, uh, they never caught Stephen Goff, and he went on in life. 17 years after he had killed his best friend, he had to turn himself in. And the reason he had to turn himself in is because of the guilt that was overwhelming him for those 17 years. Can you imagine what he had gone through? Any success had a bitter taste in his mouth. Anything that was good to him had a bitter taste in his mouth because he carried this guilt. I know that some of you in this room are probably carrying guilt and shame. Today, Many people watching online, they they feel like they have done uh, things that if only other people knew about or God knew about, and they're carrying this guilt, whether it was an abortion or whether it was a divorce or whether it was an abusive situation or there was something that took place, and this guilt and shame is just so heavy. And And we need to understand today that the grace of God is real. So let's get on in the story and see what takes place. In verse 16, it says this, So they, the brothers, sent a message to Joseph, saying, Your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, Please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin, because they did evil to you. And now, please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. Now, we have nothing in writing to let us know that Jacob actually wrote some kind of note for them to give to Joseph to kind of spare their skin, so to speak. But they were so fearful... They couldn't even meet with Joseph face-to-face, so they made up this story. And if you know anything in the Old Testament about the, the life of Jacob, he was called the deceiver. He cheated his brother Esau of his birthright. He had other things that he had done as the deceiver. Here, isn't it amazing that these boys did not fall far from the tree, that they're trying to deceive Joseph right here. And so they come and they send this note for him, they they confess their evil. They confess their evil intent. They confess what they had done, and they come and fall down before Joseph. And uh, this isn't it interesting. If you, we're going to find out over the uh, uh, next few weeks how that Joseph had a dream as a boy that uh, there would be a bowing down before him. Isn't it interesting to see that fulfilled right here in this bowing down of the brothers to? Um, to Joseph. But they confess their guilt, they confess their fear. And notice the response of Joseph in verse 17. Joseph wept. Now, we see that in the heart of Jesus in John 11:35 when when um, uh, uh uh Lazarus died and Jesus wept. Joseph weeps here. Let me say this. Joseph is not weeping for himself. Joseph is weeping for his brothers. He cannot believe that for 40 years they have been walking under this bondage of personal guilt instead of enjoying the lavishness of what he wanted to give them. And it created an incredible heartbreak for Joseph because, hear this, they couldn't grasp grace. And there's many people today that cannot grasp grace. They had not forgiven themselves, and so they figured Joseph could not as well. And they projected upon Joseph how they would respond in their own heart, and so Joseph was completely different. Joseph had offered grace. He had taken care of them. And I wonder how many people today, yes, you, you want to accept Jesus for what he did so that you will not go to hell. And you know, you know, you do not deserve what he has done for you. You deserve a Christless hell, but yet he has come and given his life and you receive that because you do not want to go to hell. And so you believe that, but you believe everything else in your life, whatever you've done has been so evil that there's no way that God can use you because you do not grasp grace. And many people today cannot grasp grace. Why can they not grasp it? Because it's not human. It's supernatural. It was not Joseph's grace to give here, even though he gave it on a human level. It was God working through Joseph. And that was the grace that came. How many people today are living under guilt and shame? I want you to know this. No one is too damaged for God to use. Right. Amen. It doesn't matter what you've done. You are not too far gone. And I've seen many people. They they uh, There was an abortion. Or that there was abuse somewhere in their life. Or that uh, they went through a failed marriage. Or a couple of failed marriages. Or they were put in jail for, for some reason. And, and yet they think. Okay, God, you will take me to heaven, but as long as I'm in this earth suit, you know, I'm just going to stay on the sidelines. No, that's not the way grace works. Grace works and saying, get back into the game. Now, verse 20 is really where the rubber hits the road as far as the end of the story. Verse 20, Joseph says this, as for you, he's talking to his brothers. You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. To bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear, I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Notice he says this, he starts out in verse 20. As for you, as for you guys that are bowing down before me right now, what you did is incredibly evil. I mean, he doesn't get away with that. The consequences of sin are very great. And so they have already said it's evil. So he just agrees with them. Yeah, what you, guys, you sent me into slavery. Yeah, what that was was evil. But as for you, this is not your doing. This is not of your doing. God had a purpose behind all this. And he said that purpose was that uh, he was going to be uh, keep alive uh, many. Now, what did that mean? Well, here's the deal: Jacob and his family, these sons and they and the wives came down to Egypt. Okay, they were not that big a group. I don't know what the number would be at that point, but they were not that large of a group. That group was going to come, and under the protection of Joseph, that family was going to grow to millions. And what God was going to do with those millions is eventually he was going to lead them out of the slavery in Egypt... They were going to be able to go and take the promised land that God had for them. And what they were going to do is God was going to set up this nation, His nation. And out of that nation, out of one of the uh, tribes, the tribe of Judah, He was going to raise up one, Jesus, who was going to be the Savior for all mankind. And that's what he's saying. Listen, guys, as for you, you think this is all about you. It's really not all about you. It's about what God is going to do in the big picture of a scheme of history right here. But he he also says this. Now, I love this. He said, you meant evil against me, but God. You see, Joseph could have said this. My mom died way too early. But God. Our family was totally dysfunctional. But God. You guys sold me into slavery. But God. I got wrongly accused by Potiphar's wife. But God. I got put in prison. But God, I was forgotten for two years, but God, I was elevated to the second highest position in all of Egypt, but God, you see, you can fill in the first part any way you want. I grew up in a broken home. Let me tell you, the answer is, but God. Yeah, I I screwed up, Mark. I I made some youthful mistakes, some sin areas that really cost me. Let me tell you, but God, I have I have failed in many ways. I I have been immoral. I have uh, committed adultery. I've I've stolen. I have ripped people off. I've hurt other people. Let me tell you something. But God, it is in God alone. And that's what Joseph knew. Guys, as for you. You think this is all about you. It's really not. I'm telling you, it's all about God. But God. So we look at this life and, and the end product of this life. You know, here's just some thoughts for you. Life is unpredictable and suffering happens. Let's just be honest. Anybody that told you that as a follower of Jesus you would never have problems, and it was going to be just full of favor and blessing on this earth, let me tell you, forgive them. Because the scriptures do not teach that. In fact, when somebody comes to Christ, we may as well say, welcome to the battlefield. Because these things happen. Sometimes it is the sin of uh, your own sin that got you there. Sometimes it is the sin of somebody else, but most of the time it's just living on a fallen planet and there's an enemy. And we discover that and we 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 think, why did my child die? Why did my spouse die? Why, why do I have a physical handicap? Why do I go these things? You can live in that or you can live in the but God part. But you know what's interesting too is the brothers chose to do this. And many people will argue, did God make them do it? Listen, I have come to the conclusion that God can still use the free will of man for his purposes. It doesn't matter. It's like a, a chess player. A good chess player, uh, will uh, he will look at the board. He will study his opponent. He will think moves ahead. Listen, whatever happens, do you think God has lost any weakness? Do you think a virus on this planet has created any weakness for God? No. Do you think any threat and protest and things like that or any uh, struggle for God? No. But let me tell you, what he will do is he can take anything and use it for his glory and accomplish his purposes. Mark, explain that. No, I can't. I just know it's true. It's right there in the scriptures. Here's another thought. God is in control. And we need to know that today. Uh, you know, how many, how many times have we jokingly said after November 3rd, there will probably be a cure for COVID. And we joke because of election year. Listen, listen. Change does not begin in the White House. It begins in God's house. It begins with us. And uh, we we believe and we know he is in control. But what does suffering do, actually? I'll be brief with this. What does suffering actually do? Um, number one, it brings opportunities to uh, communicate the gospel. It, it gives us an opportunity to share because others go through hard times, we go through hard times, it is an opportunity to share the gospel, the good news that we are all broken and that Jesus came because we're all broken and we need a Savior. Another thing about suffering is it helps us to understand the sufferings of others. Pam and I have been through a lot of things, and and uh, we, we've we been through things in our life, and, and oftentimes we think, God, why us? Why our family? Why... Why these things? But you know, we always come out of that suffering, or even in the midst of that suffering, being able to care for somebody else that's going in that suffering. A third thing about suffering is, is it produces Christian maturity and character. It produces character and 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 maturing in us. We We do not grow up very well. There's something that has to be catalytic to make us grow up. Pam and I, when we were in the mountains last week, we we saw this uh, uh, statement. I think it's good. Most broken roads or most broken paths lead to beautiful views. Most broken paths lead to beautiful views. And And listen, some of you say, Mark, I just want to know that's true. Man, you're going to have to trust the Lord. I can't fix your past, and I don't want to. I don't want to short circuit or undermine whatever you went through, or to say it wasn't evil. Listen, it could have been hugely evil, but let me tell you, we have a God who takes broken paths and gives beautiful views. The last thing about suffering is it can produce salvation. Some people wouldn't have come to Christ if they hadn't have got broken. In fact, none of us would have come to Christ if we hadn't got broken. You've got to know that you're broken. And when you know you're broken, then you seek out a deliverer. And that's what we've done in Jesus. I, I end with this thought. Anytime we read a story in Scripture, we always interject our, our, our place in the story, right? And most of the time, we're the hero. We, we say, oh, I'm Joseph in this story. i I'm Joseph. I've had these hard things in my life and I've gone through these hard things and, uh, people ought to come and fall down at me and, and t- say they're sorry and, and I will give them grace and we, we try to be Joseph. And, I, and I'm not saying that at times we're not Joseph, that, that we have gotten hurt and, uh, we need to, uh, forgive and we need to give grace and we need to do that. And, uh, but listen, most people, and I'm t- saying most people on earth are the brothers. We put ourselves as the brothers. We have hurt somebody else. We have done the damage to somebody else. And, and we, we need to come and, uh, uh, we find ourselves living under guilt and shame because we have hurt somebody else or we've done something uh, evil somewhere else. And we just need to come and experience the grace uh, that only God can give. And that's where we find ourselves like the brothers. But many of us find ourselves like the brothers because we have allowed ourselves to be sidelined because of something we've done. And God is saying, listen, it's time to get off the sidelines and in. My grace is sufficient for you. And, and some of you are waiting, well, Mark, when somebody comes and makes up for that abuse I went through as a child, then I will be able to go forth. Let me tell you, but God. Some of you are saying, but Mark, that guy used to beat me, or that guy left me, or he split up our family. And when that gets straightened out, then I'll get right. Let me tell you, but God, the chances of somebody coming to apologize are probably never going to happen. But God says, my grace is sufficient. Let's go forward. So who are you in this story today? Are you Joseph? Or are you the brothers that need to get up and start enjoying what God in his grace has given you right where you're at? If any of you know the history in scripture, the Jewish nation eventually got into the land. King David was an incredible king. However, he could not build the enormous temple that uh, they wanted to build. When it came time for Solomon to build that incredible temple, one of the rules they had is that of the masonry and the stonework, there would be no chiseling, no hammer sounds within the temple itself. It would be done somewhere else and then brought into the temple and put in place. In other words, the chiseling is done somewhere else to make the rock appropriate for its place to fit into the temple. I want you to know, folks, we are under the chiseling as long as we are on this planet. Because what God is doing, he is chiseling us and preparing us to fit into his incredible temple someday. That's what he is doing. And so you're thinking, I'm going through some hard times, Mark. Explain that. I cannot fully explain it. But I know that there's a God who is full of love and mercy and grace. And he wants to pour that out on you. And let, let me tell you something. Chances are, I, uh, you know, I've I, since this thing is broken, it's been a strange for me. I've done eight funerals. And uh, let me tell you, people still die. And the doctors say one out of every one person will die. And so that means it's going to continue to happen. But let me tell you, we have an incredible God of grace. And he is waiting. He's waiting for you and me today. I want to pray as Brett and the team come. And I I just want you to think about your walk with the Lord today. Just bow your head with me. You know... You may be walking under that weight of sin. Maybe it's something you done as a as a child or a young man, young lady. You you said you would never give yourself away, and you gave yourself away, or you said that you would you would uh, never uh, talk about that abusive situation, but yet you found yourself in that situation, and you think. You don't deserve grace. Listen, in ourselves, there is no good thing that dwells. It's only in Christ and him pouring out his love upon you. Listen, um, I, it doesn't matter what you've done in this room. It doesn't matter if you're watching uh, on TV today and uh, you, you've blown it. We've all blown it. We've all had evil intent in our heart. But the grace of God is sufficient for anybody that will just call out. So, Father, this morning, we call out to you. Lord, I pray for that person in this room that is aching. They're thinking, I just want to know this is real. Lord, as we study the life of Joseph, we will unpack each of these hard times that he went through. But, Lord, your grace is sufficient. But, God, I'm hurting, but God brings incredible healing. I'm lonely, but God brings incredible relationships. Lord, speak to us now. Massage our hearts with your grace, Lord. And then, Lord, give us the opportunity to be grace dispensers to those who come in contact with. So, Lord, as we sing this song, may it seal by your Holy Spirit what you're doing in our lives right now. Let's reverently stand, if you would. You know, these steps are just an altar for you to come and kneel. Maybe you just need to come experience afresh the grace of God today. We encourage you to come. Let's sing this from our hearts together. From the darkness.